I'm glad to see the number of sermons I have has moved up from seven to ten, according to Phil. And we see on the truth, I joke all the time, I have about ten sermons, about ten topics that I repackage, rebrand, re-graphic, and that's what we teach because I, those are just my passion. Those are the things that I get fired up about. But every once in a while, God lays something on my heart. And, and I hate those type of series because they're more work for me. But this is one I've been wanting to teach on for a long time. And in 23 years of teaching, I have never taken an entire series and taught about the power of the mind. And as our mind goes, we go. I, I'm a very ritual person, if you know me. I, I wear the same underwear every time I preach. I... uh Man, I just have a routine. I get up, I listen to the same songs on Sunday morning. I just have a routine that I go through backstage. I have a routine that I go through. I walk up and down the ramp about four or five times. I talk to God. I argue with God. I tell him to put me off to the side and put him front. I come out. I do the greeting. I walk backstage because I'm a classy kind of guy. I walk out the back door to the loading dock. We have a loading dock because this is a grocery store. I then proceed to go to the restroom off the loading dock. I've now done it for 10 years in this building because there's no bathroom in the back and I don't want to have to go to the bathroom while I'm up on stage and that's just kind of the classy guy that I am. One time we, for those of you who don't know, we have a barbecue truck, food truck that rents the commercial kitchen in the back and uh, one day he came to me, he said, man, I have more video footage of you peeing off the dock than I ever care to have. I forgot he had security cameras back there for the food truck. But then I walked back inside And I begin to go through this process. I wonder if anyone is going to get anything out of this sermon today. I I, I wonder, I mean, who am I to teach on this subject? Every Sunday, every Sunday. Will this even make sense? To those that are listening, maybe we should just do a morning of worship and not worry about the sermon. And and then I always end kind of with this thought, even though I don't want to end with this thought. Gary, don't suck today. The doubt, the self-doubt pulls in. (laughs) I don't know about you. Maybe you are stronger mentally than I am. But those are the things that go through my mind before I walk through that curtain. And and as much as I hate to admit it, I battle constantly that battle between faith and fear. I I mean, let's just be honest. I'm going to be straight with you. I trust God. I like to think that I'm a person of faith. I have stepped out in faith in some crazy things over the years. I want to trust God, but I got to be honest, I want to be in control too. I trust God as long as God is doing it my way. (laughs) And when I feel like God's not doing it my way, the head games start. One moment, I'm confident. And the next moment, I'm full of doubt. The next moment, I'm hitting puberty, apparently. 
And what we need to realize is that in each and every one of us, as there is a battle raging every second of every day in your mind. I, I am convinced with everything that is in me, the difference between winning and losing at life starts in the mind. I am convinced that every battle that we face, even though we may think it's a physical battle, 99.9% of the time is a mental battle. As our mind goes, therefore we go. I am convinced that most people lose their battles before they ever even start because they've already lost the battle in their mind. We underestimate the power of the mind. We underestimate the power of thoughts. We underestimate the power of believing in ourselves. And therefore, we go into the battle. It's the first round, and we've been getting our butt kicked for 10 rounds mentally, and we wonder why we can't go the distance. We don't control our mind. The good news is, let's start with the bad news. The bad news is, that's never going to change. There's always going to be a battle in your mind. It doesn't matter how mature you become in your faith. It doesn't matter how confident you are. Don't let me in on a little secret. The most confident people in the world on the outside many times are the ones battling the most on the inside. They have to have the exterior. Hey, I'm Gary Lamb, king of what I'm talking about. They have, and it's not faking it. They believe it. But they have to have the exterior of confidence to such an extreme because the, the mental battle of doubt is so extreme. Gary just seems over the top. I have to be over the top. You don't even want... Ten seconds up here. What goes through this mind at all times will scare most of you. You would be in the corner sucking your thumb. It's a constant battle. The bad news is the battle's not going anywhere. The good news is, is that God's word, God's promises, God's relationship is more powerful than our doubts. We just don't know how to harness that power. God's word is not just to help us. Don't miss this. This is good preaching if a white boy is doing it. Listen to me here today. Listen, God's word is not just to help us, but to transform us and change our mind. How many of you have ever went through a drastic body transformation? You've lost a lot of weight. Where's Laura Rogers? She has literally lost 470,000 pounds in the last year. Her body, <laughs> and be careful what I say here. It ain't like I've seen Laura naked or anything. But I would imagine, not that I'm imagining it, so let me make that clear. But I would imagine if I saw Laura naked a year ago and I saw Laura naked now, Chuck has confirmed this to me, okay? Let's just put it out there. It's not that I'm peeping through the window or anything. There's a drastic transformation in her body. We can transform our body. Or you can do like I do. Instead of transforming your body, you just buy bigger clothes. 
that hides at the lack of transformation. But when you put in the work, you can transform your body in the same way when you follow God's principles, you can begin to transform your mind. They're just a negative person. Yeah, they are. But they choose to be negative. They weren't born negative. They're just a Debbie Downer. No, they've just chosen to be a Debbie Downer. They've made the conscious decision because they're so, because they are so mentally lazy that they refuse to put in the work to transform their mind. Human nature is to look at the negative in everything. That's the easy way. But when you get into God's Word and you begin to transform your life and you begin to put in biblical principles, it's game-changing between winning and losing. It's game-changing becoming that team who's just participating and becoming on that team that is winning. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. You get your mind right, you will be surprised how every aspect of your you want to get your finances right? Before you could ever start working the plan and the plan of work, man, you can read Dave Ramsey all day, baby. But until you get mentally right on what finances should be and how to spend and how to earn and what your money should be doing, you will never take the steps. You want to know why I have talked now for 10 years about my weight gain and my lack of discipline? Because my mind is not right in that area. I looked at my wife last Tuesday. I said, I don't want to go to the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning. She, being a sweet wife, said, we can go at 6. I said, I don't think you understand. I don't want to go to the gym at 6 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to get up and start my day in the gym. I don't want to be around people that are so mentally unstable that they enjoy being at the gym at 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. I said, but I'll be there because I know I need to be there. Now, here's the deal. I'm there every morning. Four out of five days. I'm there. I'm doing the workouts. Don't miss this. I'm mentally going through the motions. So even though I'm there, I'm not seeing the results I want to see. Why? Because my mind is not right to see the results. If I went there with the right mindset, guess what? Check it out, check it out, check it over here. That squat wouldn't look like that. I'd be dropping it a little like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, boom! Like 10 times, 4 sets of 15, whatever it is. Hurt. Because when the mind's right, you take it next level. See, when the mind's not right, here's how the gym works. Well, I'm working out with her. She's a beast. But we, we, I don't even know what we do at the gym. I just do what she tells me. But here's what I'm thinking about the whole time. I just burned them calories. I'm going to give me a chicken biscuit after this. When your mind is right, you're like, man, I'm taking care of myself. I'm going to get out of here. And do you know people eat just the white of the eggs on turkey with turkey sausage? 
and fake bread called keto. Like, who does that in their right mind? People whose minds are right. They want to take it serious. See, I'm losing that battle because mentally my mind is not where it should be. Now, the flip side of that is you know why, and I don't mean this seriously, you know why most of the time when I set out in my business it's successful? Because in that area, my mind's right. I already know what I do. I do better than anyone around, and I believe before we ever do it, it's going to be better than anyone else's around. I'm working on a business thing right now, and I already know that it's going to be better than anyone else's around. You say, well, how do you know? I just know. Because mentally, I'm right there. I start with the advantage. See, the battles in life always start with my mind. When my mind is right, I'm right. And when my mind is wrong, I'm wrong. Most of life battles are won and lost in your mind. So how do we take control of our mind? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight are not the weapons of the world. See, when we think fighting, we think fist, we think guns, we think tanks. We think physical altercations. But when you're fighting in the spiritual, on the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish those things. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. So what are we doing? We're winning a war, not physically. We win the war by taking captive the thoughts. And turning those thoughts around, and we make them obedient to Christ. We develop the mindset of Christ. The ultimate victor. The ultimate champion. The ultimate winner. Defeated death. Conquered death. Paid the price for our sins. That's winning. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. The, The apostle Paul here, he's saying, for though we live in this world, though we have to be part of this world, Though we have to mix and mingle in this world, we don't have to fight like the world fights. The the world fights for things that have no eternal significance. And we're fighting a long-term battle, and that battle starts in the mind. And it says we have divine power. I think that's around verse 3, Xander. Will you put verse 3 back up there, please? The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. They have divine power. That word power literally in the original language comes from the word that we get dynamite from. It literally means we have the explosive ability to demolish the strongholds. And that strongholds is a military term. They would set up the fort and they would build a wall around the camp and they would go 20 feet deep and build these basically these underground bunkers that were basically unable to be penetrated. That's where they would put the military leaders. If they were starting to lose, they would hide them down in these strongholds. He says the devil comes along and he sets up these strongholds in our mind. The devil wants to come along. You say, you believe in the devil? Yeah, I believe in the devil. I believe there's good and there's evil. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I believe to have good, you got to have evil or you don't know that good's good. I'm a wrestling promoter, man. You got to have a face and you got to have a hill. There's God and there's Satan. And Satan wants to destroy you. And he comes along and he destroys us by attacking our mind. And he comes along and he sets up these strongholds of deception. So what happens is when he sets up these strongholds, we begin to believe something, don't miss this, that is untrue. 
And when we're believing something that is untrue, it takes away from God's truth because God is truth. And it's God is trying to renew our mind and he's trying to bring about mental healing and he's calling on our life. The devil comes along and he tries to shape your thinking. The devil comes along and it's one lie at a time. And what happens is, is we become a prisoner, a stronghold is set up. A stronghold is set up and we become a prisoner of this deception. The devil comes along and says, you can't trust people. Why? Because one person screwed you over. You can't trust all people. The devil loves extremes. <laughs> the devil loves to come along because you have a bad day and all of a sudden you think, let's, let's scratch it. The devil loves to come along because you have five minutes of a bad day. You say, man, the whole day, the whole day sucked. Did the whole day suck or five minutes sucked? The devil comes along, he exaggerates. You're never going to succeed. I tried this one time and it failed. You know how many things I have failed at in life? I don't brag on the failings. You don't hear about, you don't hear about the ideas. Christine hears about the ideas that never happened. I bring her 9,987 ideas a day. You know what I'm going to do? When we first got married, it was a struggle for her because she thought every idea that I came to her, I was about to do. She's like, how, many, how are we doing this? How are we going to pay? I said, I'm not doing that. But you came to me. I said, it's just an idea. That'll never work. And then I try some things, and sometimes they don't work. I did a festival. I was thinking about this. I forgot we even did this because that's what I do with failure. I did a festival called the Canton Cookout. Anybody remember the Canton Cookout? One, two, four of you. Makes sense. You know why? Because there was only about 13 people there. I wanted to prove everybody wrong that you could do a festival in Bowling Park. Two miles back, past the water treatment plant. Whatever. Shut up, David. I build those for a living. Get it called right. Here's what it is. It's the poop plant and it smells horrible. And people don't want to drive past the poop plant to go eat barbecue. That's what I learned. But guess what? You go to my LinkedIn account, it don't list a can cookout on there. I don't talk about those foods, but it bombed. It was the first event I ever did that I basically broke even on. That's a failure to me. I don't, it's too much work to break even. Devil comes along and says, Man, you'll never succeed again. At the end of that night, I remember I was like, I told Chris, I'm never doing another festival again. I'm done. This is horrible. I was burned out, fried, immensely not where I should be. But an amazing thing happened. I began to let God renew my mind. And 24 hours later, I think I accepted five more festivals that I knew could work because I learned. From what didn't work, devil comes along and says, you'll never succeed. Devil comes along and says, man, you're always going to be broke. You'll never figure it out. Hey, you're never going to have a good marriage. Hey, God doesn't hear your prayers, man. Why are you wasting your time? God doesn't. If God cared about you, why would this happen to you? 
You're never going to make a difference. You set up this food pantry and fed seven people. That's a lot of work for only seven people. Instead of looking at the truth and saying, what a blessing it was to those seven people. (laughs) You're never going to amount to anything. The devil comes along and he plants those seeds. I don't know if your high school did this. My high school did this my senior year in the yearbook. They were most likely to blank. Most likely to be president. Most likely to what be the first married, whatever. I was most likely to end up in prison. I was. I don't know if they thought it was funny to put it in there. Most likely to end up in prison. Matter of fact, if you were able, I assume you probably can do this. I don't know where it's at. And go back and look at one of the first Facebook posts I ever made. I made a couple of posts and realized everybody I went to high school was on Facebook and they all looked fat and old and bald. And it occurred to me that they're probably thinking the same thing about me. And like my third or fourth post ever was, hey, still not in prison. I'm going to speak that truth into my life. But we hear stuff, and we hear it even in a joking manner. And the devil begins to set up. So how do we win the battle for our mind? The Scripture says that we demolish those arguments. That we demolish them. And we demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So every thought that comes along that is contrary to God's Word... You demolish it. You call it out. With, you take the darkness of what's going in mentally and you bring it to light. You expose it for what it is. And the battle starts in our mind. I want you to look to the person to your right and then I want you to look to the person to your left. I know this is a white church and we don't normally do very good with verbal speaking. The black church can do it like in rhythm. Oh, oh, and y'all kind of, it's horrible. Like sometimes when y'all are clapping during worship, it hurts my heart. I remind the Bible says, make a joyful noise. But I want you to look at the person to your right, and then the person to your right say, get your mind right. No, I want you to say it with like a little soul. I want you to be like, get your mind right. Like, that's pitiful. We're going to count to three, and we're going to try it. Okay? One, two, three. Get your mind right because it starts in your mind. Some of you love self-loathing. I'm just going to be straight up with you as I can. This might be the most un... That's not saying the most unpastor-like thing I've ever said. As your pastor, I don't feel that I have... The ability to unfriend you on Facebook. Because I'm your pastor. That would not be pastor-like. But you can take it to the bank. I've unfollowed a bunch of you. Because you don't know if I've unfollowed you. Some of you literally. I wonder if he's talking about me. Yeah. If you're asking yourself that, I am. You make me want to slip my wrist. You're so depressing. It's be nine degrees and it's too hot. 
It's 40 degrees and it's too cold. It's fall and you're like, I don't know what to wear. Like, do I wear a coat or do I wear it? Like, you complain about everything. You're miserable. Because mentally, you've allowed the enemy to set up camp in your mind. And then you do it passive-aggressive with your stupid... Let me read... Oh, man. With your stupid quotes. Your little quote block. Mess with me, betray me. Shut You ain't got no friends to begin with. Who's betrayed you? You've run them all off because you're so miserable mentally. Man, no wonder your marriage sucks. You gripe about your spouse nonstop on social media in your passive-aggressive way like we're too stupid to realize who you're talking about. You ever notice there's a group of people that anytime something great happens in your life, they're silent? But you post, rough day, me too, brother. Man, frustrated. Oh, man, I hate my job. Well, you post something negative or like just not positive, they're going to come in a way. But you say, man, great day. Oh. Crickets. God, miserable folks. Because they don't realize the power of the mind. This series is personal to me. Because I believe so much in the power of the mind. I want to be real careful in how I work where I'm about to work because I don't want to come across as I'm diminishing anything. I want to make it very clear I'm not an expert in this area. But I believe so many of what we call emotional or mental issues are simply issues where we don't have our mind right. That That does not say I don't believe that there are real emotional issues. I'm not saying that there's not real mental issues. But that has become the crutch in our society for everything. When really the fact of the matter is we've allowed negativity and and bottom feeder thinking to take over our minds so much that we're looking for an excuse or someone else to blame for the fact that we feel the way we feel instead of looking in the mirror and blaming ourselves because we're mentally weak. Man, we having fun yet? Mindset is powerful. Mindset is the difference between winning and losing in life. I want you to write this down today. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. The thoughts that are overwhelming and dominating your mind, that's where you're headed. What we tend to think comes out in our life. And here's the funny thing, both science and Scripture agree with that. I've done a lot of research recently on cognitive behavior psychology because I'm so intrigued with the power of the mind, and it shows a lot of the problems are actually related. A lot of our problems are actually related to the wrong thought process. Our relational challenges are because we have the wrong thought process. Our eating disorders, our addictions... Our anxiety are actually a direct result of toxic thinking where we have spoken to ourselves, and instead of getting our mind right, we mask those things with food or alcohol or drugs 
or sex or whatever it is. Whatever we can to get that temporary high instead of getting our mind right. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, as a person thinks, so they become. So as a person who thinks negatively all the time, guess what you are? You're a negative person. A person who's complaining inside, they're a complaining person. Our thoughts dictate who we are, and we allow the laziness of our mental state to take us down a path of losing. <laughs> Man, we, we know that, that, that the life we have so often is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. If you tend to think, I can't do something, chances are really good that you can't do something. When we were having Luke, and Luke came, and Luke was about two, Christine got in his life at about two, and Luke's biological mom tends to baby Luke. And so Luke couldn't do anything. Christine comes along and begins to take over that part of Luke's life, and it was no longer, I can't put my shoes on, then you'll sit there with no shoes on until you figure it out. And guess what he figured out? How to put his shoes on. The other day I was going, we had steak, and I was going to cut it. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm cutting up the steak. She said, he's 10. He can cut up his own steak. Guess what he did? First cut took him about 10 minutes and it was about that big. Guess what we did? We kept eating. We left him at the table. So when you're done, come get us. You did that? Yeah. Guess what he figured out how to do? Cut a steak. We go, oh, I'm going to regret this because I, I don't even know who they are. They're going to watch it on Facebook. Emily has her little girlfriends over one time and we go out to eat. Lady's coming around the table. What do you want to eat? All of a sudden, it gets the girl and Emily orders for her. That's weird. I'm not going to embarrass the girl. Later on, we get home. I said, why would you order for that girl? She gets anxiety when she has to talk to waitresses. I about came unglued. Now, I'm not that child's parent, so I'm not responsible for how that child's raised but I'm responsible for my child. I said, well, the next time she doesn't eat. I said, you don't order for her. I said, she's 15 years old. If she can't, how is she going to function in life if she can't? But we feed them and feed them and feed them and we create this weak mentality. A kid falls and we're freaking out. Let them fall and get back up. They'll be fine. Christine used to let me know, you made it worse. I said, what do you mean? She goes, Luke failed. He wasn't going to cry. And you're like, whoa, and he, he, he thought you were freaked out, so he got freaked out. If you'd have said nothing, he'd have got up and knocked it off and kept going. Some of you parents are raising the biggest bunch of wusses ever, and that's what's wrong with our society. And you ain't got to like it, and you ain't got to come back, but the truth hurts. Because you got some kind of mental guilt of what happened in your past, you're passing it down to your kids. That wasn't even part of the sermon, it's free. Man, our mindset, if you think you can't, you probably won't. If you think you can, it's amazing how the grace of God comes along 
and makes it happen. When you dwell on your problems, when you dwell on... The world was just so bad. The world's always been bad. Ever since Eve, woman... I'm just kidding. Ever since Adam and Eve messed it up. Like, think about it. You're walking around your own garden naked. You know Eve had to be fine. She was the first woman God ever created. I would imagine Adam was like a stone. Who's, who's Aquaman? Like, he's like a version of Jason Momoa or me. I don't know. Like, like that kind of version. We're like kind of the same. Like they got to walk around eating fruit naked. And they messed it up. And ever since that, listen, the world's always been bad. Some of the day was talking about today's rap music. Well, the day I was just bored and I listened to some old rap song and I turned on our Bluetooth and I was like, 90s rap, boom. And it was like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It was all happy. And then, then Two Live Crew. I forgot about Two Live Crew. Like, man, that was some wrong. It ain't got any worse. We just got older and they get, I can't believe our kids are listening to this. Our parents were saying the same things. It's always been bad. But if you think everything's getting worse and it's the end of the world, man, your problems are going to overwhelm you. But instead, when you realize God's in control and you quit operating in fear and you start operating in faith, you begin to find solutions. You can have the faith. Your faith and the solutions will arise together and things just have a tendency to work themselves out. If you always feel like a victim, you're always going to be a victim. <laughs> but if we believe we can overcome, say, I just, that's the power of, like, the church got on this real kick during one time that they were anti the power of positive thinking because some preachers took it to some weird extreme. Go back to that verse, Xander, Proverbs 23. As he thinks in his heart, so is. So if you think positively, you're a positive person. That's the power of positive thinking. I mean, I'm not a theologian. I don't play one on Sunday. But as your mind goes, you go. If you believe you can overcome, if you believe because Christ is within you and greater is he that is in you than it is in the world, and you operate in that spirit and that faith, it's amazing how you begin to overcome things. So what I want to do this morning is something I've never done. We're going to take a mental audit this morning. I don't want you to give out loud answers. I'm not going to give answers for you, though I could for some of you. And we're going to evaluate where we are in three different categories. The first one, Xander, if you'll put that up. I want you on a scale of 1 to 10, where do you live life? Worried or peaceful? Leave that up there. The contrast of your mindset. Are you characterized by worried thoughts, panic, anxiety, fear? Or would you say, man, our thoughts are actually... Pretty peaceful thoughts. Now listen, I know this is hard because this is church. And we're fake at church. But I want you to be honest with yourself. I'll tell you a good thing. Y'all take your cameras out, take a picture of this, go home and ask your spouse and give them the freedom to be honest with you. Where do you live? Do you live in a constant fear? A worried fear? Things are not going to work out. It's not going to happen. What a miserable way to live. I'm not judging you. Because at the end of the day, your worriedness doesn't affect me. I'm zippity doo dah, zippity day, my oh my, what a wonderful day. I'm good. 
But are you operating word? Are you operating peaceful? Do you tend to have your mind just drift towards fear? What, I'm worried about my kids. Like anxiety. Always kills me when school starts back and everybody's on, on faith. Pray for the kids. I never pray for the kids' safety. Ever. You've heard me pray up here before school started. I pray they go into their schools and they're champions, they're warriors, that they're the leaders. Not that they're safe. That's our problem. We want to be safe in life. I don't see this book as a bunch of people that were safe, but they were people that were taking and living life. Man, they were jumping in pits with lions on snowy days, and they were fighting giants. Man, that's life. The, 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 the goal of life is not to, to arrive at the, the destination safe. Are you worried or are you peaceful? You got that peace that passes all understanding. It's a mind battle. You always have worried thoughts, bad thoughts, it's complicated. Or do you find yourself casting your cares upon God? I remember when COVID, I think I've shared this story with you before, when the shutdowns happened. I can tell you the day they shut it down, April 3rd. It was my birthday. That's how I know. I had five huge events in five weeks. So just like that, we lost 150. Now, we didn't lose it. We just didn't make $150,000, $170,000. I was about a one. Boop. Which is very uncharacteristic of me. I was in freak-out mode, which is not good because Christine, though she has great victory in that, when it comes to financial things, tends to be the first that goes to freak-out mode. I'm the other way, so I keep it calm. So now I'm in freak-out mode. She's trying to keep it calm, but she's just trying not to freak out because I'm freaked out. She knows it ain't good in the lamb hats if we're both freaked out. It's our strength, though. We don't freak at the same time. It's our superpower. I was so freaked out, and all my pride and everything, I called David Westrick. I said, man, we need to go to dinner. Him and Sierra took us to dinner. Viva La Mexico on exit 14. I remember every detail of it. For 35 minutes, to the point that it got so bad, like 30 minutes, I was like, man, I sound like a wuss. Like, what am I doing? Like, I was, I was so convicted how, how worried I was, but I couldn't stop. And I would like to tell you, David Wester gave me some great deep biblical advice, and he said, it'll work out. And I left there, and I never stressed. I literally, I'm telling you, I never stressed about it again. I flipped my mind. I got back to remembering who I was. Sometimes you've got to remind yourself who you are. Sometimes you've got to remind yourself who's in control. I had peace throughout the whole thing. And it all worked out. We made more money in a year of shutdowns than we did. Not being shut down. So where's your mindset? Oh. Do you sense his presence in those situations, his goodness? Even when things aren't the way you want them to be, you have that peace that passes. Where do you fall? The second thing I want you to think about is your mindset on a scale of one to ten, negative to positive. Let me go ahead and tell, tell a lot of you. I was going to put negative numbers up here for some of you. I want you to think about the people that you know that are the most miserable people to be around. Got them in your mind? Got it? I guarantee you there are three or lower. Negative people are miserable to be around. 
Can't go to a restaurant without them complaining. Buy a brand new car. Literally, I talked to somebody, they bought a brand new car. I said, man, how you like that car? That's what they said. What's it, ready? I don't like it when it needs gas. Negative. How was work last night? Talk about the person who did you wrong. Didn't tip right. Smarted off to you. Didn't appreciate you. What about the 10 people who were great to you? Negative versus positive. Do your thoughts drift towards the negative or that drift toward the positive? Do you find yourself when you wake up and immediately you see someone and you're just critical of everything, everyone? How do you like so-and-so? They're bam, 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 bam. So, yeah, I guess they are. I don't really notice it. I notice bam, 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 bam. I like all this part of them. Positive. I, I, I typically like to consider myself a positive person. That doesn't mean I don't drift to the negative at times. But I, I like to think of myself as a positive person. I believe things are going to work out. I, 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 I will gripe about the negative in someone, but I'm going to rally around the positive in someone. Do you get up and be like, oh my gosh, this day is just going to be hard? It's going to be bad. It's going to be tough. I'm always so busy. There's not enough of me to go around. You know? We're else going to hell on a handbasket. I never see my husband. He works all the time. If he didn't work all the time, you'd be griping that he was home all the time. <laughs> or do you wake up with that positive faith? Even when things are difficult, you know that Christ has got you. That he helps you overcome. Where do you fall on this? The negative chart. The last one I want to look at is the worldly chart versus the eternal chart. Are you more concerned with the worldly as you make decisions and you go through? Or are you more focused on eternal? When it comes to what you think, where do your thoughts go on this? Scale of 1 to 10. Are they... Focused on things that are temporary? Or are they focused on things that are eternal? Because that'll dictate your mindset. So many of you are shaped by the here and now today than you are the eternal. So many of you are more concerned with what you wear than the eternal. The worldly, you're more concerned with how many people like your Facebook posts. How many people like your Facebook post? I literally had someone come in and said, you mad at me? I said, mad at you about what? All right, you ain't liked anything I've written on Facebook recently. I said, oh, have you been posting on Facebook? So I went and looked them up on Facebook. I have 5,000 people at the max on Facebook. They have what's called an algorithm. They say you see about 17% of the people that you're friends with. I'm not mad at you. I just ain't seen any of your posts on my timeline. And no offense to you, you don't cross my mind enough to actually go to your page because I'm busy. And contrary to popular belief, I don't live my life by Facebook. I post and leave or I scroll. I'm a scroller. I ain't even paying attention to 
Christine's asked, well, why'd you like that post? I said, I didn't really read it. I don't know. I just hit like. Just going down the thing, hitting like. Boom, 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 boom. Are you focused on the worldly? Are you more concerned about what everyone thinks about you or the eternal impact that you're going to have? Are you more thinking about the worldly things or the eternal things, the things that God has made you stewards of, your children, your finances, your marriage, your friendships? <laughs> what are you investing in? Are you investing in the worldly or are you investing in the eternal? What would you say characterizes your thoughts? See, what we think about matters more than you can imagine. As our mind goes, there we go. What comes into your mind, don't miss this, comes out into your life. No matter what you do or what you have or who you know or where, what you buy or where you live or where you travel, you cannot have a positive life because you're too busy comparing it to someone else's life. Buddy of mine bought a new truck this week. It was a nice truck. Jacked up. And it was funny how just for a minute I started to think, man, I don't really like my truck anymore. That was nice. I need a truck like that. Now, I don't know why I need a truck like that. He got this truck because he had to pull stuff, and I don't pull anything. And that's not the point. My thought for a minute was, I'm Gary Lamb. I need a truck like that. And that's the one thing. As weird as my wife is about money, she's a, she's a car person. That's the one thing that it wouldn't be hard for her. I, I need this new truck. She's like, okay. Can we afford it? Sure. I mean, I'm going to have to go down to the plasma place once a month, but yeah. Then I shook it off, and I was like, why do I care? I love my truck. I loved it more yesterday before I knew he had a nicer one. Well, I'm happy that he got a new truck. But I don't need, I'm, I, at this particular time in my life, I don't need it. I don't mean six months from now I won't get it. But today I don't need it. So the question becomes, if your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, here's my question for you. Are you excited, don't miss this, if your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, are you excited about the direction of your life? Are you excited about where you're at in life? Are you excited about the future? If not, you need to have a mind shift. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. But Gary, you don't know what I'm going through. I get it. I don't. Gary, my wife just left me. I am so sorry. I can't imagine the hurt that caused you. But here's the deal. You can't control that. But you can control your mind. You've got to think positive. Positive thinking is, man, now someone else has to deal with her. You're free. You can't have a positive life and you have a... See, the problem is we allow our circumstances, our possessions, our friendships, who likes us, our emotions to dictate our mindset. I love this. Isn't even my I love the story of Paul, and they bring him before King Agrippa. 
and they're fixing to sentence him to death. They've beaten him. He's been in prison for years. I'm summarizing here. This is the Gary Lamb version. Agrippa looks down at him and says, you got anything to say? And Paul looks at him. I can just picture his eyes swollen, his lips he's bruised, and he's battered. He's skin and bones because he's been in prison. He said, I have nothing to say. I think myself happy. You look at it as I'm suffering. I look at it as because of what's happening to me is advancing the cause of Christ. In Philippians, he said, for me to live is Christ. If I live in prison and you continue to beat me, hey, the word spreads about that, and any news is good news in the cause of Christ. But if I die, I gain everything. I gain heaven. That's positive mindset. At the end of Philippians, he said, whatever's true, whatever's virtuous, whatever's praiseworthy, he said, think on these things. Your kids are out of control. I get it. You don't ignore it, but you think about how good life is. That's the power of your mindset. Get your mind right and your life will get right. So the question becomes, how do we do it? Two things, and I'm done. I'm going to break this down more over the next couple of weeks. I ain't giving you the whole platter. It's appetizer. But I'm telling you this will be a life-changing series for some of you. This is just the foundation today. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to identify the biggest strongholds in your life. Remember, those strongholds are those fortresses the devil sets up. What are the ones in your life that force you to be negative? Identify them. That's hard. If you go to AA, they talk about take inventory of your life. Get honest with yourself. It's not going to happen sitting here. You might need to go have some alone time. You, God, and that scary thing called your thoughts. Now identify it. What's the biggest stronghold in your life? <laughs> Remember, that, that stronghold is that, that prisoner locked up by a lie. It's, what's your biggest mental stronghold? Think about, oh, what's that thing? I don't, I don't know. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. My past is too bad for God to use me. I can't trust the people around me. Are you obsessed with that? I mean, that, that one's, that's a stronghold for me sometimes. I've had some people screw me over and like recently screw me over. I said, that's a stronghold. I think I, I, think, I, I, think I told Christine that the other day. I, I, got where I can't trust anybody. What a miserable way to live. You know? I mean, I'm always just going to battle my weight. I'll never be good with money. Speak it into existence and see it happen. You'll never be good with money. I'm never just going to be close with God. I'll, I'll never, I'll be I'll never be in a job that is fulfilling with something to love. All my relationships are going to break down. So I said, I'm not ever going to have friendships again. They, our friendship went south. I said, well, how long were y'all friends? 13 years. I said, man, was it a good thing? It was until the end. I said, so man, it went bad in the end. So you're going to overlook 13 years of good? I don't understand that. I think that's the problem when relationships end. All we do is focus on the breakup. The breakup sucks. I'm not minusculing it. But then there was God. People leave a church. All of a sudden, the church was the worst thing in the world. You stayed here for years. You loved it. That's cool. You didn't like it in the end, and God moved you. Bye. I'll never forget 
when I lost everything, a pastor friend of mine flew in from Arizona and met with my staff, and he told me later on, he said, man, all they did was just talk this and this and this about you. He, he said, I finally looked at him and said, how long have you been on staff? One guy said, five years. Another guy said, six years. Another guy said, five years. Someone been with it since the beginning. And he said, well, either Gary's not as bad as you say he is, or you're the most spineless people I've ever met. Matter of fact, you're prostitutes because you did a job just for money. He said it got real quiet. All they want to remember is the mess up. They don't remember all the times that I was good to them. <laughs> you know? Identify that stronghold. I only date psychos. Is that a reflection of the cycle or a reflection of you? You're the one who keeps choosing them. Identify it. For some of you, your stronghold is finances, it's money. And rightfully so. I'm not discrediting why it's that. But what a miserable way to live. I quit worrying about money a long time ago. Because you know what I figured out if I lost everything? I've done it before. You know what I found out about losing everything? Everything. Everything. In 24 hours. Listen, because I implode, I implode big. I was in a meeting with a group of church leaders. Listen to this, check this out. They gave me a $65,000 raise. Good raise. It was 220% of what I was making. We had started church. I wasn't making a lot. They had agreed that I would get a new car every year. They had given me a clothing allowance. It was a nice package. 48 hours later, I was backing my Jeep Cherokee. They had an automatic transmission that was so old I had to manually shift it into a driveway. Why those same people were there to make sure I didn't steal anything. And I was loading, I remember exactly how many bags it was. I loaded three bags of clothes in the back of that Cherokee. And I drove off. You know what I found out about losing everything? It sucks. But it ain't fatal. I got up the next morning. Went to sleep that night. And as much as I didn't want to, I got up the next morning and I sat in this room for 30 days feeling sorry for myself. And I got up every day and every day. And on day 33, I remember every detail. FedEx came to the door of the people who were letting me live in their basement. They had a package for me. That's interesting. How does anybody know I'm here? Only one person knows I'm here. <laughs> the person that ain't too happy with me right now. It was a FedEx envelope, and I ripped that FedEx envelope, and there was a stack of bills about that big in there. Because here's the deal. My bill collectors didn't care that I'd lost everything. The bill collectors didn't care that I was feeling sorry for myself in the basement. The bill collectors wanted their money. I'll never forget. I went in the bathroom. I hadn't shaved in 30 days. I wasn't shaved. That time I had no beard. I took a shower. I was only taking a shower about every four days. 
I decided, because I, no, I, I literally would leave. Matter of fact, I've told you this story. When I lost everything, I lived in someone's basement in the neighborhood where I own a home now. That's how God brings you full circle. And I would drive across the street every day to Chick-fil-A, pull a ball cap down, put sunglasses on, and order a Chick-fil-A sandwich, drive back, and eat in the basement. I decided that day I was not going to eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I was going to go eat somewhere in public. Went and ate somewhere in public. Listened to him whisper in the next booth and the next booth. And I said, man, i got to make money. Three days later, I started a business. Made more money in the next 18 months than I've ever, well, at that time, had ever made in my life. Because I decided I wasn't going to let my failure define who I was. It was all in the mind. Let them talk. I had bills. Let them talk. I had kids that one day I wanted to be able to look back and be like, man, dad messed up bad. But man, he changed everything. Identify the biggest stronghold in your life. So I get that you're stressed about money, but you can allow it just to consume you. What is it that you embrace as your reality, even though it's not reality? We've got to identify it. Because before you can attack it, you've got to identify it. And then we're going to start thinking positive things. Because you know, there's an amazing thing that happens when you, when you think positive thing, thoughts. This is why you like it when someone likes your post on Facebook. You get this release of this amazing thing called dopamine. It's amazing. It's a natural high. It makes you feel good. It's a rush of energy. It's a rush of excitement. That's why we thrive on affirmation. Your wife texts you. Hey, baby, thinking about you. You were looking good today, man. Dopamine. It feeds us, and so we begin to crave it. The problem is we depend on that craving of positivity to come from other people instead of coming from ourselves. That positive surge releases from our brain, so we've got to understand who it is. And the next thing we're going to do, and we're done. I'm going home. I'm going to eat. We're going to name the truth that demolishes that lie. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought we make it obedient to Christ. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to quit believing lies and start believing God's promises. Can't pay my bills. Well, good news for you is you serve the God who owes cattle on a thousand hills. You might be broke, but God ain't. You're in a bad marriage. Good news for you. You serve a God of reconciliation. He says, I am. Moses said, how do I identify who sent me? He said, you tell him I am that I am. So what does that mean? He said, I am whatever you need me to be when you need me to be it. I'm provider when you need providing. I'm healing when you need healing. I'm positivity when you need positivity. I'm providence when you need providence. I'm provision when you need provision. I am food when you are hungry. I am encouragement when you are discouraged. I am that I am. I'll even tell you this that you don't think about in the pool. People get weird when you say this, especially in this woke generation. He's vengeance when you need vengeance. He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. 
You're out there trying. You, some of you are so focused on those that mess you over instead of just saying, oh, man, we heard about it. Turn them over to God. Y'all love, and I love you for it, but y'all love to send me screenshots of what people say about me. You think that, ever thought about maybe there's a reason I unfollow those people, I unfriended those people, and I blocked those people? I don't care. You hear so-and-so might come and, I don't care. I let God handle them. It's the most freeing thing in the world. And if God chooses not to handle them the way I would handle them, guess what? I trust that God knew best. I might argue with him every now and then. God, could you have just smote them once? Slapped them down. Not killed them, Lord, but just slapped them down. I'm, I'm mean. I'm sorry. We're going to take those strongholds and we're going to replace them with truth. I'm ugly, I'm fat, and you're fearfully and wonderfully made, the book of Psalms says. You've heard me say this, and everybody laughs and giggles, but I, I say all the time, you might have been a whoops in the backseat of mommy and daddy's car, but you weren't a whoops to God. He formed you. He told Jeremiah the prophet, he said, I knew you before you were born. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I created you for greatness. Man, ain't that good news? You're out there negative, and God's coming along with positive. He said, I got this. Turn your marriage over to me. Turn your kids over to me. Turn your finances over to me. Turn your purpose over to me. I wish my husband would bam, bam, X, Y, Z. Give it to God. Now, here's the deal. God's way of dealing with your husband might not be the way you like it. You might lose everything along the way. It might take you losing everything to wake him up. But guess what? I'd rather lose everything and know God's in control and God's changing than to have everything and know I'm trying to control it. Best thing that ever happened to me was losing everything. People ask me all the time. I'm at wrestling the other night. One of my staff people walk in. Former staff people. I ain't seen this person in 12 years. Immediately, my mind goes back to, man, I messed that dude over. I hurt that dude. Man, I, all of a sudden, for a brief second, guilt set in. And then, and then I thought, care? It's not that I don't care. But that was 12 years ago. I'm not that person anymore. And if they got an issue with it, that's on them. And they didn't have an issue with it. They wouldn't have come in the building. But I'm not that person anymore. God's changed me. I, I, I wouldn't, people, I, would you go back and change anything? I would change probably some of the embarrassment I cause people. But I wouldn't change anything. Because without that, I wouldn't be here. And I dig being here. I dig where I'm at in life. So, you need to turn them over to God. And it might not go the way you want, but it'll go the way it's supposed to go. But it all starts in your mind. Let's pray.